the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing more. Thanks for listening to the show. Show dedicated to get you to retirement, but not just retirement, but to have a decent retirement, i.e. being a cool grandparent, maybe seeing parts of the world you sacrificed seeing while you were raising kids. That's what a retirement means to me. Let's bring on CFP Certified Financial Planner, New Focus Financial, Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Great, Mr. Black. How are you? Well, well. Um, obviously, we have a seminar coming up. Anytime you come on air, it seems for me to promote that. Um, and the one is coming up very soon. This is the week of it. So it's the first time we've been in uh, Cupertino proper in quite a while, it feels like, which is odd because it is the heart of Silicon Valley on so many ways. Retirement income, uh, wealth estate planning seminar this Thursday, 6.30 to 8.30, Juniper Hotel. People can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Use code RADIO25 to get it for free. So let's talk content. Sure. Um, retirement. You know, well, obviously there's a couple ways of things can go wrong. Which would you rather have, as a kid in third grade would say to you, which would you rather have, uh, Frankenstein or the Boogeyman? <laughs> but high inflation <laughs> or mediocre returns? Which is worse? Oh, I, I, well, mediocre Turns is safer than having high inflation, and it's it's interesting, but it's really just how math works. So if you sit there and you run a financial plan, and one of the tests on your portfolio that you should run is a test that says, okay, what if I have a couple of decades like 2007 to 2017, where you have this big drop, and you have balanced portfolios earning about five and a half percent, and that seems you know kind of low for a long-term retirement projections. So that's kind of what it did with bond rates being low, and the average is being affected by the 2008 and 2009 numbers. Um, so if you're running a portfolio and say, oh, yeah, you know what, I'm going to be okay. If I use about 2.6% inflation and 5.5% rate of return, my portfolio will last till age 100. You're in pretty good shape. So what is worse, going down by half a percent on your average rate of return or going up by a half a percent on inflation, and you might think in your mind that that's a wash, but it's actually worse. An equal amount of inflation increase versus return decrease is worse. So inflation being higher is worse than portfolio returns being lower because you're drawing more out on a constant basis. It's a compound number on how much you're drawing out versus how much you're earning. So it sounds a little bit confusing on on radio without actually showing numbers. But you just have to know inflation is worse than slightly mediocre returns. Could deflation be better? Like, could, is there a scenario in your head where be better? Right. So it's kind of a weird thing because deflation to economists is really like the oh we don't want deflation. They'd rather have inflation than deflation. But 
now I'm getting well. Money. At least you know what to invest in when you have some inflation, right? I mean, you you can invest sure. in commodities. You can invest in tips. Uh, deflation is a much different animal. Um, you know, what do you in, what do you invest in when prices are falling? Um, it, it's it's interesting, Rob, because in retirement you kind of deal with deflation a little bit on one side of your expenses and massive amounts of inflation on the other side. Healthcare costs are increasing by at least six percent a year. But at the same time, your travel costs are going to actually deflate over your retirement because you might not travel as much when you're 85 years old as you did when you were 70, right? So it's sure. it's it's you you've really got you can't really run these linear models on these online calculators. They just don't work, and you have to know how to adjust your income as you feel the effects of inflation or as you go through you know say a major market correction. It's interesting that you say that because another thought of deflation. I have a great example. I was once at a restaurant. I had this big fat steak, and it was just—it was delicious. It was big uh, prime rib, and an old man sitting there, sitting next to me, and he's eating a hamburger. He goes, uh, "When I was young, I could eat meat like that." So he's eating the cheaper hamburger. I'm eating the more expensive. Anyway, that's a bad example, but it's also kind of a good example that as you get older, maybe you won't eat as much or eat out as much. So we're talking about the new Focus Financial Planning Seminar coming up. You're going to say something? Well, yeah, I think that actually what you pulled up, and you're amazing at these analogies that you come up with, because I can never do that, but it's, it's a perfect example of how you adjust your portfolio if you do go through a major market correction, because um, you know, having a withdrawal strategy is really key, and that's what we talk about in the event a lot, is you know, how much cash do you have to be able to get through major market corrections. But it's interesting to watch people go through a market correction because they think, oh my gosh, the market's down 20% during this market correction, which happens every you know, five to seven years. So I have to reduce my expenses by 20%. How many households can actually do that? I mean, that's a huge decrease in expenses, if you look at it. And so what you did, you're, you're getting the steak, this guy's getting the hamburger. He made a minor adjustment. That's not a huge adjustment. That's a minor adjustment. And what you can do when you go through and face these market corrections, which you'll face at least once a decade in retirement, making a small adjustment for a long period of time to your and uh, your expenses can have just as much effect as making one drastic reduction, which is very painful and expensive. So what you do is when you see a major market correction, that's why you have a financial plan. You're always keeping your projections active. So you can say, okay, as long as I maybe reduce my expenses for by 3% for the next five or six years, I'll be just fine, and likely the market will recover sooner than that, and I'll go back to normal sooner than I expected, versus massive reductions in expenses just because you're reacting to what the market's doing today. So we got a big event coming up in Cupertino on May the uh, 3rd. So I keep thinking May the 4th. I, I so badly wanted to do the Star Wars Day, but May the 3rd, it's going to be 630 to 830. Um, Cupertino at the Juniper Hotel. It's a re- income and retirement and uh, state planning you know, a lot of theories, a lot of questions answered, a lot of uh, thoughts about the current economy, current stock markets, a lot, a lot out there, but heavily tied towards retirement planning. Any last thoughts that you want to throw out there, Mr. Chad Burton, as we're cruising towards the end of the segment? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, once you're in retirement, um, it's, it's really important to keep an eye annually on your expenses and your portfolio returns and adjusting everything. You know, a 30, 40-year-old, you can give them a five-year checklist and they can be okay. But in retirement, you're trying to make adjustments to things like inflation. So um, you have to say, is it okay right now to adjust your income because you're feeling the effects of inflation? 
have you gotten your rate of return that you projected? And are your expenses on track? Is everything else on track? Is it okay to actually increase your draw rate to keep up with inflation? You have to keep an eye on that. How often do people in retirement meet with a financial planner like yourself? Because you just so, said you've so got to keep up it with it. At least once a year. When you're initially doing the financial plan, your retirement plan, it's often several meetings in, you know, in the first and second year. Um, after that, it tends to be you know, one annual really hardcore review and quarterly calls to check up on how much safe money and do we need to take off any gains from the market to replenish the safe money. Okay. CFP Chad Burton, you can hear him here live on AM 1220 KDOW from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. You can come out and meet him live for the Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar in Cupertino, Thursday, 630 to 830, Juniper Hotel, Cupertino, California. You can sign up for the event by going to newfocusfinancial.com, hit events, newfocusfinancial.com, use code radio25 if you're a radio listener and haven't been before. We will see you there Thursday at 630. I'll get there a little bit early, so I can update some financial work, chit-chat with you, and see you there. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Got a big event. I got a big event coming up. Whoa. I know, right? Some days you're just a little more tongue tied than others. Sweet. With that said, I did not have a stroke or anything like that. Some days you're more tongue tied. McDonald's sales beat expectations. You can own shares of McDonald's. I'm loving it. And you know what? I'm not going to look down on you. You can take your kid to McDonald's for lunch and get a Whooper. No, I guess that's Burger King. You can get a Grande Mac. Mac Grande. And I'll look down on you. Hold on, wait, wait. Did he just say he's going to look down on me for taking my kid to get a frozen beef patty? I don't like where this is going. On a bun that never, ever molds. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to look down on you. Uh, but what I'm going to try to say again and again and again is that, like, you can invest in things that make you uncomfortable. You can invest in things that you know a lot about. You can invest in things you know nothing about. When I was a kid, McDonald's had a Monopoly game. And they had, uh, when Star Wars movies would come out, you know, Empire of the uh, Return of the Empire, the Return of the Jedi, and the Empire Strikes Back. Both Burger King and McDonald's had a pretty good thing going on where, like, come get a kid's meal, Whopper, fries, and a soda. And the soda you're going to get this free glass commemorating Han Solo getting his hand cut off by Darth Vader. Wait, wait, that wasn't Han Solo. Yeah, I know, I know. Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor either, right? So, but as a kid, I remember those, like, glasses and, like, a big, strong desire. So McDonald's made a lot of sense to me as an investment. Almost instantly, because anytime you can invest in a business that you liked as a kid or you knew about as a kid that's still doing business today, you're probably going to end up okay. Now, again, that's consult a broker advisor for the action on any stocks mentioned. 
But do you remember Visa and MasterCard and American Express? Don't go anywhere without it. Don't leave home without it. American Express card. Do you know who I am? And then every Olympics you turn on and brought you by Visa. Now, that doesn't always work because, like, IBM was everywhere as a kid, and they're not the best investment today, but they're a tech company, too. Tech companies, it's all about smaller, cheaper, faster every single year. And that's why you'll see some tech companies die. Well, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Apple, Google Alphabet, which one of those guys are going to die? It's a jungle out there, right? And you have to look at it as a jungle. You have to look at it as different ecologies. But as an investor, who's the king of technology? You probably have an opinion, right? Right. Now, who's the king of fast food? Well, like I said, you go back to your childhood and whether it be Wendy's or McDonald's or Burger King, they've kind of stuck around because they do one thing and they do one thing well. When you think of Arby's, you may think of roast beef. When you think McDonald's, you may think of french fries. When you think of Burger King, you may think of Whopper. You typically don't go, Mmm, the most delicious delicious chicken fingers I've ever had. No, because the chicken fingers are just consistent. Consistency wins a lot of battles. That's why companies like Bennigan's and BJ's and... Um, who, who's another one? See, BJ's kind of specializes in that whole beer thing and sports. Applebee's, you look at those companies, and sometimes they, as investments, they, 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 they struggle because people's taste change. People want to go more high-end. People want to go more fresh food versus frozen food. People want to go more, you know, uh, sriracha versus ketchup. So sometimes these, you know, quick service restaurants, they're, they're nice, fast, casual, um, but they have to be careful unless they're like cheesecake factor that basically says we're going to be the upper middle class or the middle class restaurant and companies maybe like a Chili's say we'll be the middle class restaurant. And then through the years they'll go, well, you know, we'll get into some neighborhoods that we wouldn't typically get in in the past and we'll start service in a different community and suddenly the commercials are looking a little bit different, right? So a lot going on. Fast food and McDonald's. Would I own McDonald's? I would. I'd have no shame in it. Would I own Starbucks? I would. And then I start getting kind of picky because, A, you only have so much money to invest. Why not invest in more of those companies? Or why not invest in more of your tech companies or more in your retail companies or more in your apparel company? Like, why not go a different direction? Why not diversify just in case we find out that fast food's bad for you or that food's bad for you? Or that the CEO of said company loses his mind, goes up in a clock tower and starts ringing a bell and shooting BBs at squirrels. Like, that would not be good. So would I own a McDonald's? Yeah. Would I eat in a McDonald's? Probably not so much anymore. Maybe if I was, like, touring Europe for, like, two or three weeks and I've kind of lost my mind out of eating local and having... Locals tell me that they don't speak English, even though I know they speak English, and even though my Google earbuds that translate everything's not working the way they're supposed to be working, then yeah, it's going into McDonald's could be like a, an oasis. I think you're saying, did you, did you just compare McDonald's to an oasis? Yeah, it's when you're traveling, when you're traveling around the world, yeah, it can be kind of an oasis to see something very Americana when you're missing home. Uh Uh-oh, Twitter is in the news. They've sold 
data access to Cambridge Analytica. Dun, dun, dun. Facebook did that and got into a lot of trouble, right? Twitter sold access to Cambridge University academic who used data from um, millions of Facebook users' information that was later passed to a political consulting firm without the user's consent. So <laughs> we are literally making kings and queens now, right? With our choices on, on software, choi- inputs on how much data we share. I'm amazed. So I guess you could even say that just by looking at your friends, you're, you're telling Facebook and Twitter some of the things about you. Or if you, you know, look at money websites, you know, you're going to get those commercials figuring you out. Uh, oh, I haven't even mentioned this. T-Mobile and Sprinter coming together like the Beatles. We'll talk about that and more. You can find me online at Rob Black's show. Don't forget, big event coming up in Cupertino at 630 to 830. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Big event coming up in Cupertino. You can sign up for it at the Juniper Hotel this Thursday, 630 to 830. Last week to sign up, go to the show website, Rob Black Show, robblackshow.com. Use code radio25 to get in for free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Apple plans to repatriate a lot of cash. I own shares of Apple, and I think that there's a big question mark on the future of Apple right now. What type of company are they going to be? Not whether they're going to be in business or not, but what type of company are they going to be? And analysts have started cutting their expectations for Apple. And that feels kind of weird because not that long ago, we were talking about a super cycle. And then previous to that, we were talking about some negatives. And then previous to that, we are talking about something great. Augmented reality. I think we've all learned that Tim Cook throws out a lot of things. And remember how I'm really excited about the future of augmented reality. I'm like, uh, I don't know about that one. Having funny little things in front of your desk or in front of your TV. Yeah, long term, we're definitely moving some sort of direction like that, especially like if you're uh, a telephone repair guy and you're up on the tower and you're you know, having some sort of augmented reality in your Sunglasses makes a lot of sense to show you where to, you know, unplug the wire so that it doesn't blow up. I know you're saying, are you confusing bomb? No, 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 no. Explosive guy. So it's the last and enriches people in some way. It's the last day of April, and people want to know. Tim Cook, augmented reality. Is it crap? Is it not crap? So Apple has a lot of money. And that's one of the things that Tim Cook has got out of his way to say, we got a lot of money. So Tuesday, they're going to announce the results. It's one of the most closely watched events of the year because we're looking at Apple's essentially holiday sales, right? December, January, February, little post-holiday bump. How much of a lag is there? Every announcement Apple makes seems to be a big one. Because they're not going to be revealing a new iPhone. But he is going to talk about what they're going to do with that $285 billion of money being held overseas. Ever since Donald Trump, President Donald Trump revealed 
that he would reduce the tax hit on money repatriated to America from 35% down to 15.5%. Companies like Apple, we've been wondering how much are they going to repatriate. CFO of Apple, Luca Mastri. Luca Mastri. He has a, a big decision to make. Do you save that cash in new mergers and acquisitions? Do you use that cash and uh, buy back shares? Do you use that cash and give it back to shareholders as a dividend? Maybe you want to give a big donation to PETA. I don't know. And for the record, that is not a political statement about PETA. So investors have been waiting pretty patiently since December when we learned about this big tax cut and repatriation. So a lot of details are obviously not determined yet. Apple is expected to pay about $38 billion in taxes when they bring that money back. So we can start figuring that out. But then what else? And, you know, if they want to be aggressive, they could double their dividend over a very short period of time. And that would help deliver a potentially high single-digit total return. You know, $122 billion in debt Apple has. Apple has said it wants to get its net cash position back to zero, which means it's going to spend its money except for what it needs to pay off its debt. So $122 billion is going to go down in that stream at some point in time. Maybe not all at once, right? But the clear winner, in my opinion, is shareholders right now. Apple stock has been a bit of a laggard this year. I own shares of Apple. It's up only 23% over the last three years, two percentage points lower than the S&P 500. There's increasing concern that the iPhone demand is starting to slow and that the iPhone 10 is expected to sell 14 million units in the current quarter, down from an estimated 29 million the quarter before. So that post-Christmas bump or slump we're going to be looking at. I think most analysts I see have a price target somewhere between 170. is pretty much the norm. And since it's trading at 163, I think it's a pretty good value um, based on its PE and based on its cash flow, based on its likely dividend increase, likely share buyback. So many balls in the air right now. Um, I don't think Apple's dead, but do I... How was it asked of me? Oh, someone asked me, has Apple lost their mojo? I said, I think that's a fair question. If you mean mojo by momentum and growth, that's a good question. You know what I'm saying? If you're talking about a company that dominates what they do and make billions of dollars doing it, that's not really a mojo. That's kind of like a domination show, a dojo. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Have you ever heard about a company called WeWork? I heard a joke about WeWork. And this makes me uncomfortable even going down this road. Is that we're now living in a time where, you know, we're almost poking fun at unicorns. Speaking of unicorns, let's see if we can't bring in Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource.com. Talk a little mortgages and real estate with Tony Mendez. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning. Speaking about the 85-year-old guy, there was an 85-year-old editor, Forbes, and uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, Sumner Redstone as a CEO, and out of nowhere, I'm like, well, Sumner Redstone's a good CEO, he seems to make a lot of money with this, and it's up to the 85-year-old guy, and he goes, Sumner Redstone knows fashion models more than business models. And I was like, you're on live TV. And you're like, 
it's, it was the show called Cash and In. I'm like, that's a pretty good line. Like, you know, all you could, you're, you're frozen because he's screaming. But anyway, I'm totally uh, digressing. Sacramento, the real estate market is now one of the hottest in the country. More than 1,700 homes have sold in the month of May, which is the highest number recorded since 2012. The median home price is a whopping $342,500. That's up 4% essentially from April. Now, again, what stinks about that is like we're so used to saying like I made a million dollars in San Francisco real estate, but you also you put up that kind of risk. You got that kind of reward. And when it goes the other way, you go bankrupt. But there's not a lot of risk when you're putting up $342,000. You know, maybe you don't go on vacation that year to meet your mortgage payments kind of thing. But you go bankrupt in the Bay Area if, if you don't make your mortgage payment per se. Multiple offers make it a seller's market, and that means some first-time home buyers are finding themselves priced out of certain properties. Right now, California's real estate is hot, hot, hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Buster Poindexter. Oh, boy. He's talking about swing and the king of, the king of things. So um, there's 122 homes under construction. Um, you know, minimum going on at what's called the creamery. The short supply of housing makes economic conditions different now. And keep in mind, Sacramento is on a basically a flood zone at some point in time. Uh, it's going to get ugly. So, uh, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Do people ever come to you and go, I hear Sacramento's hot. Yeah. I should invest there. And can you do a mortgage in Sacramento? And you're like, I've never been to Mars, but I could do Sacramento. Uh, they do. Yeah. Um, this, is, uh, this is not a new story for us in the real estate market. Okay. Um, but I think it's good to see that. Um, it is hitting this kind of level of, of, um, of news because Sacramento is a booming town right now. Uh, that's all we can say about it. And I know we've talked in the years about how there's so much land. They can keep building, keep building, keep building. But the numbers do play out. Even at the current numbers, 342,000, I quickly ran the math. You only need to make $57,000 as a qualifying income to get into that house on a dual income. That's pretty darn easy to do with 20% down. Um, and when you contrast that to the Bay area, uh, it's quite attractive uh, with more and more companies allowing their employees to work from home, maybe work from home four days a week and travel one day a week. It starts becoming a little bit more reasonable. And but doesn't it, Sacramento have some sort of like slavery thing going on or something? I'm I'm no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what I'm, what I'm okay, trying to say, just, what I'm say, trying to no. say is I, I, I don't want to live in Sacramento. Um, I'd rather be a pimento. Like there's nothing attractive about Sacramento. Like when you drive through it, you're like, Oh, there, there There's a, a, that's a cheesecake factory. A lot Ooh. of investors over the last several years, you, you, one of the stats, part of that article show that it wasn't 2012 home prices were median home price was 160,000. Okay. So it's more than doubled. Okay. Investors were seeing this as, and rents were rising along with Bay area rents. So they saw the opportunities there to best thing about Sacramento is the government prices. Government jobs are fantastic. I own a property in a state capital. And one of the reasons why I feel pretty darn good about it is there'll always be state capital uh, and government employees. Yes. And families coming through and businesses that are related to that. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Let's talk money. 
McDonald's sales beat expectations. This is a little bit troubling. One of the things I pay attention to, and I pay attention to a lot, obviously gas prices are going to sap consumer spending as they rise. So you'll have a little bit less to hit McDonald's or Burger King as gas prices go higher. But again, we're also becoming a nation that's relying less on gas and cars to get us around, or our own cars. So we're going to have to pay a little more attention to that as things change. Fast food price wars, though, have heated up. And this is like, I know you're saying, did he say Star Wars? No, I said price wars, fast food. Yeah, so McDonald's versus Burger King is a, a thing. Yes. And it's actually kind of really important to understand our economy that the cheaper the fast food deal or the bigger the deal is made on TV when you're watching your your Golden State Warriors or your your San Jose Sharks or your San Francisco Gigantes is when you're seeing that you can get 20 nuggets for $5 and someone goes, oh, no, no, you can get 21 nuggets for $4.99. What have you? Anytime you see 20% off at Banana Republic, it's okay. Anytime you see 50% off, they're having problems selling clothes. Same thing with the dollar menu. So-called value offers. They've been part of the fast food landscape since 2002 when McDonald's introduced the dollar menu. I know. I remember when I was... Go back to the year 2002. And that's when the dollar menu kind of came out as a reliable way for driving traffic. So instead of saying, you know, if you want a luxury, you know, five burger patties with five pieces of cheese with five gallons of mayonnaise and five gallons of secret sauce. Now you suddenly are being driven by value because you're on the lower end of the consumer model and or you're being pinched by some like higher gas prices or maybe lower wages or higher rental uh, cost of renting. So in the last couple of years, it's been pretty good. And McDonald's and everyone else has been trying to de-emphasize you know, value meals because that's where the, it kills their profits. But they're trying to get you in to you know, buy a Coke, which is very profitable. When McDonald's debuted its popular dollar menu, um, menu, who knew that it would become a staple for people choosing food going forward? Get in my belly! Now, in the last couple of years, McDonald's has been focusing on improving food quality because companies like Chick-fil-A and Chipotle Mexican Grill, people would say, you know, why would I go to McDonald's when their food is a little starchy and bland versus Chipotle or Chick-fil-A? I'm sorry, but I don't get the Chick-fil-A love affair. It's just a chicken sandwich. Dollar deals have roared back, though, in the first three months of this year, telling me, "Uh uh-oh, things aren't great out there. When economists estimate that consumer spending growth, you know, breaks below 1.5%, so consumer spending's not growing that great, and it's slowing down, that's when the dollar deals start cropping up. And that's telling you, you know, we're in, something's happening in our economy. So right now, the major operator chains, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, they're doing everything they can to drive traffic in. Taco Bell, known for its low-priced and dollar cravings value meal, they sell cravings at Taco Bell. Yo quiero Taco Bell. They said they sold over 53 million orders of its new $1 nacho fries. In five weeks, McDonald's trying to lure people back 
is coming out with the dollar menu, two dollar menu, three dollar menu. And, you know, like one dollar for a cheeseburger, two dollars for a bacon McDouble hamburger. Like it's it's ridiculous how we're tearing this. But it is it is interesting to note that this is telling us that the economy is not rocking and rolling. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Richard Branson's talking Hyperloop, and that's never never a bad thing. Uh, Richard Branson wants ridiculously exciting Hyperloop up running within three years. Now, the question is between what city and what city. And then you get into a situation where you're going like, what are we going to do when someone dies in a Hyperloop? Like, we panic when one customer gets thrown off of a plane. We can't handle it. We, we, we freak out when a plane goes down, right? And yet it's the, one of the safest forms of, of travel. So Branson is one of those billionaires who's kind of fun, who I did get an interview many, many years ago. Um, but he's coming out with a Virgin Hyperloop One conversation. So he's talking about Three years away, four years away, he wants it. Not 10, 20, 30. That's a little bit kind of creepy. And again, that brings up some really... The show Westworld brings up questions on, you know, how do we treat technology? And should technology have feelings? And, you know, how does... What happens? How does technology treat us? Uh, Do we get terminated, so to speak? Or does... Is there a mutual respect as we're starting to build more artificial intelligence and potential consciousness, right? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.